0: Today's guest is Stephen Burney. Here's our job talk with a crime scene investigator. Welcome to the Job Talk podcast, where we talk with people who love their jobs. Our guests open up about their challenges, surprises, and secrets to success in their industries. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. How accurate are television and movies when it comes to crime scene investigation?
1: There's a lot of things that are actually pretty darn accurate, and you kind of get surprised about, I guess, how well they portray the CSI aspect of the job. Uh, my wife, her guilty pleasure is uh, CSI Las Vegas, and it just rebooted, um, and there's I think just this past uh, fall, I believe there was a new the new season came out, and of course she asked me to watch it with her. And uh, I think she might ask me not to watch the next season with her because I was like, oh, this is pretty accurate when they're using certain (laughs) chemical processes. But then there's other things too that are just definitely uh, Hollywood portrayals that kind of make things a little more dramatic and uh, stretch the limits of, I guess, what we can do. I wish we could do all the things that they could do because it'd be no crime in the world because we could solve everything. But some of the stuff they do an amazing job, like especially chemical processes. And when they're treating exhibits, they actually... Clearly, have done their homework, and they they really get a accurate depiction of what we're doing in the lab too. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, is your wife a police officer as well?
1: She is. Yeah. So my wife, uh, her and I have both been with the uh, Edmonton Police for eight years. Uh, we both met actually in recruit class. So um, I definitely get an interesting perspective chatting with her about some stuff. She's uh, in patrol right now, and she's also a bomb technician. Oh wow! So I get a yeah, a lot of cool conversations happen at my house. I. I nerd out and talk about the forensic (laughs) stuff, and she tells me about everything else going on.
0: Let's go back to when you left high school. What was your first post-secondary experience?
1: So right after high school, I went to the University of Alberta, and I was enrolled in the Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology. And so that's a four-year program. Um... I thought as soon as I started uh, my program, I thought two things that I might want to do. Police officer is my number one. I always wanted to be a police officer. Number two is if, you know, I needed to do something else or whichever this didn't work out is I wanted to be a physiotherapist and typically kinesiology is that first stepping stone to kind of work towards the physio side. So that's my four and a half or four and a half year because there's also a practicum involved with kinesiology. So.
0: Okay, so so you finished your degree at the U- University of Alberta. Did you immediately look to uh, the recruitment for police? Did you jump into jump into that?
1: Yeah, so I would say right about my second year in kinesiology, I started to look at what I had to do for um, basically make myself a successful candidate to get in with the Edmonton Police Service. So uh, there's some options obviously available and uh, you have to fulfill certain credits that you can go outside of your faculty for. So I looked at criminology courses and whatnot at the the U of A, which I ended up taking. And also there's a, like I mentioned, there's a practicum portion for the uh, kinesiology degree. And one of the uh, options you can actually take your practicum with the Edmonton Police Service fitness unit. So that involves making uh, exercise programs, assisting with Uh, The fitness testing that all of the members have to complete on a yearly basis and also a lot of the return to work stuff or rehab because guys pick up injuries either on the job or, you know, playing sports or just anything else. If they come to the fitness unit a lot just to see if they can find a way to improve on a certain score or category or just like I say, get back to feeling feeling good and being able to play a sport outside of work.
0: How was the training experience to become a police officer? Did you enjoy it? (laughs)
1: uh yeah that's i enjoyed some of it yeah (laughs) you know it's uh it really is i find it, it was a great training obviously you get a lot of um a lot of classroom knowledge and stuff you have to learn about the criminal code and provincial acts and municipal acts and basically all the all the things you can do as a police officer and you know the what the what bounds we have to stay within and where our where our our powers of arrest come from stuff like that and also they they put a pretty big emphasis on physical fitness so there's a lot of the physical aspect of it yeah uh it's a paramilitary training so there's a lot of um punishment if things don't go uh, how they should or whichever so and obviously we're always a team so we're always uh completing things as a team so it really it builds a good good base for you as you leave and start on on the streets you go to patrol first yeah it builds a great base for obviously your physical fitness you're coming out with a lot of knowledge but then you also get to learn all the, the the practical knowledge from from a field trainer which it's i think it's a great program it's about six months of uh training before you even get to the street and it's uh i don't think you're ever fully prepared for your first day but it's about as close as you can be to be prepared i
0: think did you have a favorite part of your training? Because I, I, I believe my brother-in-law is a police officer, and he right. mentioned that you guys do everything from boxing to uh, you know learning to drive uh, properly. Was That's Was there right. anything that uh, that stuck out as kind of your your favorite part of training?
1: You know, I think my favorite part was I think our emergency vehicle operations. So learning how to drive a police car, learning how to you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a couple of road courses that we did and there's a lot of, um, specific activities that you have to be able to pass, uh, to get signed off, to be able to obviously operate a police vehicle. So it's pretty fun, obviously going out and trying to operate a vehicle to the limits of the vehicle and obviously staying within your own limits, but doing things safely, but also, um, in a way that you can respond to a call quickly. So, yeah. um, I really enjoyed it it was uh, ours our training was in the winter as well so it threw in a little bit of an extra uh, wrench in the plans because our I remember one of our training day where we did our main driving course uh, it was freezing rain yeah so trying to operate a police vehicle and it was the old crown Victoria as well. (laughs) so it's just the rear-wheel drive and you're getting a lot of sliding and fishtailing and yeah it's something you have to it's good to learn in in those conditions that are not very good because then you obviously can apply that out to the the streets where there's other vehicles and other things that you can't can't account for outside of the track right yeah so it was I, the driving was definitely a fun bit
0: you graduate and uh, enter the force you mentioned that you start off in patrol um, I, I kind of want to gloss over it because I want to get into your current position as a crime scene investigator how long were you on patrol and what What brought you to becoming a crime scene investigator?
1: Yeah, so I was in patrol for five years. Uh, So I worked out of the Northwest Division uh, campus. So it's the the new building in Edmonton here now. I didn't, unfortunately, get to work in the nice new building. I was outside in like a little satellite station until this new one was built. Yeah. But uh, I always it's funny with policing is you you get there's so many different places you can go and look to go uh, within the within the EPS as a especially as a constable there's just depending on where your interest lies so pretty pretty early on in my career I had a lot of uh, exposure to the crime scenes team kind of what they do uh, what files they work on how they can assist in your investigations and that just immediately kind of drew me into the to the unit and the idea of being able to help identify a suspect where you have nothing there's no video surveillance there's no witnesses no eyewitnesses and you know that little piece you know that little drop of blood or that fingerprint that an investigator can find might totally change the scope of the case and it, it didn't hurt to have uh, my uncle actually was a crime scene investigator for about 12 years uh, before me, so I had a lot of opportunities to ask him questions and he kind of fostered my interest in a lot of ways and kind of told me the good, the bad and the ugly of the job. So I had yep. a really good understand, I th- understanding, I think, going in. So um, I just love love the idea of being able to assist in an investigation where maybe there's dead ends everywhere, but we might be able to provide that one, one avenue that you'll have a suspect or at least something to follow up on.
0: What what kind of cases do you work on? Uh, I it's probably not all just homicide. I'm assuming. No, no. There's
1: basically if you can think of the if the crime type, we'll work on it if if there's something there for us to do. So there's anything from a recovered stolen vehicle uh, that has drink containers know blood in it or anything like that or even just applying fingerprint powder to the inside of recovered vehicles or on the outside there's typically your break and enters we go to a lot of those especially for people's houses and and, uh, businesses some of the industrial stuff as well Uh, robberies there's sexual assaults and assaults of all types as you mentioned there's homicides that we we if there's a homicide we're obviously we're out there every time um but there's Basically, anytime time there's a victim and there's any, any chance that there's forensic evidence being, you know, the DNA or the fingerprints, we're, we're typically there and uh, working on those files with investigators to try to obviously help their investigation and provide as much evidence as possible.
0: Okay. How closely do you work with forensic scientists? And I'm assuming there's a difference between a crime scene investigator and, an, and a forensic scientist.
1: Definitely, yeah. So the scientists are, uh, basically, we, we, we deal with them a lot indirectly, actually. So it's funny, when you meet them face-to-face, they say, we kind of say, oh, I've seen your name on a bunch of papers, and they've seen my name on a bunch of papers, but there's not a lot of uh, face-to-face interaction. <laughs> but uh, the forensic scientists are obviously huge for us. They, they typically have, like, a master's, um, so quite a bit more trained than someone like myself. Uh, and they are doing a lot of the interpretation of DNA profiles that I send. Um, so if I swab, for example, some blood at a scene, and I send send that swab to the to the lab for analysis, they'll be the ones kind of interpreting interpreting the DNA profiles. And a lot of the times we get mixtures because obviously, you know, if some people share drink bottles or something like that, right? So if you get a mixture in a drink bottle, they can sometimes tease out. One or both of those profiles, and be able to say male, female, or two males, or whichever. So we deal with them quite a bit, but really indirectly. A lot of the, a lot of the time, it's they send us their forensic report, and we send in our request and kind of the details of the case. So um, they're uh, very smart people, and amazing to have as a resource because we do a lot of case consults with them as well asking them hey what do you think is the best the most probative piece of evidence we can send you uh, to try to get a DNA profile for each case so they're invaluable and they're a huge part of our obviously our success for the DNA side
0: yeah I imagine your day-to-day changes all the time there probably isn't just your typical day on the job but can you talk a little bit about maybe talk about a homicide scene that you showed up and kind of take us through what you do on a case like that.
1: Yeah, so you hit the nail on the head. Like that's one of the things I love about the job is there's the typical day is whatever you just walk into the day and you don't know what you're what you have on the on the docket, but so for a homicide Typically, um, our, our supervisor, the sergeant of our squad, he'll get a phone call kind of notifying us of the investigation. And that's kind of where we start and we kind of gather up and basically take notes on all the, the facts of the case so far. And there's obviously a lot of liaising with homicide detectives, the first patrol members on the scene. Basically, anyone who's already been involved in the case will... Get that information either directly from that person, or typically the homicide detectives already have kind of a coles notes of everything that's happened so far. So typically we'll we'll have a little bit of a briefing before we attend the scene, just to know okay, you know maybe was there a weapon used yes or no, you know kind of what are we looking for what type of what type of scene is it is there, you know a lot of considerations we have a lot of specialties within uh, crime scenes as well like bloodstain pattern analysts like is that something we need to think about so there's a lot of pre planning that goes actually, into it i'll
0: just pause you there for a yeah. second so did you ever watch the tv show dexter
1: i didn't see dexter i oh. know the i know the premise of it but <laughs> I, I didn't actually ever watch it
0: Okay, sorry, you just, you you uh, reminded me of that show when you said bl- Blood Splatter Experts, so. Yes,
1: I know, and that's, it's on my list of one of the things to watch, yes. because it's always, people have mentioned it a bunch of times, but haven't got around to it yet.
0: Okay, maybe we'll do a follow-up interview after you watch that show. Anyways, that sounds good to c- me, yeah. C- continue on, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so there's a lot of pre-planning, right, so. Yeah because we have a lot of equipment that we have to bring, and obviously it's a lot case specific, but after we kind of have our little briefing, uh, the sergeant attends um, any homicide scene, uh, as well as two constables in our unit. So those constables are assigned uh, two different roles, either the forensic photographer, which is just as it sounds, Their, their job is basically to document the scene through the use of photographs, you know, photographing the exhibits and fingerprints, and just the scene in general. And then there's the exhibit handler. So that person's job is strictly, obviously, designating, seizing, collecting, processing those exhibits for DNA, fingerprints, all those things. So um, once we have the team set, we'll go out to the go out to the scene. And the first thing we do there is we do a, a walkthrough. So before we before we do anything else, we're walking through as a team. We're looking at the scene, seeing kind of obviously what we're dealing with. And this is the first time where we can start to talk about what we're going to do, uh, how we're going to do it. And contamination obviously is a huge part of crime scenes investigation. So we're, our, our whole goal is to minimize Contamination. So we establish the path in we're going to take every single time so we don't walk around and contaminate the scene any more than physically having to do that. And that also includes probably seeing us in the, the Tyvek suits, those like white bunny suits, yeah. either on the, the CSI shows or sometimes uh, the news captures us in those. So that's obviously to do that as well. So we're not bringing stuff in uh, from our boots, or our uniform, all that other stuff and we obviously take really detailed notes the photographer takes all of their photos so there's a thing in Latin it's in situ it's basically as it is so we don't want to touch the scene until we have fully documented everything yeah so homicide scenes are extremely complicated and long and we take our absolute time with those as much as we can so There's a lot, by the time you document and seize exhibits and bring things back, uh, we also take scene videos, Um, and we actually just recently, uh, within the past year or so, uh, use, certain use new technology. Uh, We have a thing called a Leica scanner, and basically, if you imagine, uh, obviously, the housing market's pretty hot right now, so if you're online looking for a house and you can kind of do that 3D walkthrough and just click on a spot and all of a sudden you're through to the next room, so we actually have one of those, so we can actually do a walkthrough of the scene, uh, which is really important for court. Um, they obviously jurors, judges, all that stuff. They love to see and be able to kind of put yourself in that scene. So that kind of supplements our photos. So it's uh, after you know a long homicide hom- homicide scene where you've collected exhibits. There's fingerprinting, anything. There's um, doing a very very thorough search and uh, again like kind of we're talking about the blood spatter experts we have chemicals that can develop blood further and like we look for fingerprints or footwear and blood so there's just a ton of ton of processes we can use and especially for a homicide we try to we basically exhaust our whole all of our resources to fully process that scene to make sure we don't miss anything
0: you mentioned court. How? What is it like to uh, go into court and what, what's that experience all about?
1: Yeah, court, It's uh, obviously that's kind of the culmination and the end point for our investigation where the work we put in, the work the investigators put in, and everyone else, this is basically to put our evidence forward and to... Just you know, obviously, it's for the the courts to decide uh, the the weight of the evidence. Um, so I I don't mind going to court. I know some people are nervous or anything like that, but after a couple of years of you know doing the same job here and there, you start to get comfortable with that 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 process of you know checking in with the crown and kind of doing a potentially like a pre-trial conference or anything like that and. Going up onto the witness stand and speaking to the evidence, getting cross-examined, I was definitely more nervous when I started because again, it's a new new thing you're doing, a new skill. Uh, I always want to do a good job and you know put my best work forward. So um, court, I, I don't, I actually in, enjoy going because it's 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 a good, it's a good experience and you know it's it's the trier of fact is trying to the weigh the weigh the evidence and um, it's. It's kind of like you see in TV sometimes. A little less, I guess, confrontational and controversial, obviously, because TV has to be a little more dramatic, but uh, pretty close to that.
0: Yeah. Do you have cases that keep you up at night from time to time?
1: Uh, As in just, like, the, the workload or the things that we have to process and see or
0: yeah i think i'll turn it into actually because you you see a lot of traumatic things do you you have a support network Uh, does the the police service offer ways for you to cope and help you through maybe some more traumatic things that you've you've seen
1: definitely actually uh the eps is um I don't know if I can't say world-renowned, but they're definitely renowned, especially in Canada, and I, th- I believe even probably within the United States too. They've looked at a lot of our programs uh, specifically made for helping members who went through a traumatic experience uh, and supporting them through their their experience. We have um, the, the critical incident uh, support members. So basically, you, you get trained and you reach out to members who've been involved in a critical incident that can be anything from obviously seeing a very traumatic thing or having to perform life-saving measures on a person yeah um so there's amazing supports there's our our employee family assistance team are great with speaking to speaking to the members and getting them supports that they need there's like psychologists and uh, people like that that we get to liaise with if if required. Like there's, we're always told that that option's there, um, and I know some members really take advantage of that uh, resource. And I mean, obviously, looking after your mental health is as important as your physical health, and I think we've all really learned that. Um, so there's tons of supports um and then obviously the the first support that we all have i'm sure is family too so i mean you know i'm I'm lucky in the sense that my wife being a police officer i can kind of talk pretty candidly about some of the more uh graphic things i've seen because she's seen probably the same or close to the same but um having a good support system is at home is just as important as what the uh eps provides us which when you use those two together it it really helps with seeing some things for sure.
0: Yeah. Do you guys actually see each other? Is, is this not a career (laughs) where your shift work?
1: Yeah. You know what? Uh, we got really lucky. Um, we, when we both came out of recruit class, we both went to, um, the same shift pattern. We were working in different parts of the city, but, uh, we worked the same hours and we had the same days off, but that changed obviously when I came to forensics because the, the schedule is just a little bit different. But again, we got pretty lucky, and um, I had requested the forensics unit, if possible, to kind of put me in a certain squad that would allow me to see her the most. <laughs> so obviously, they they do preach a good work-life balance, so they managed to accommodate me there. So that was quite, quite good. But, um, you know, with all the training that we get to, um, one of the awesome things about forensics now is we used to have to go to Ottawa for two months to get trained. Um, we're now doing that course here in Edmonton. So having, being, you know, being in Ottawa for two months is uh, quite a long time to be away from, you know, your loved ones. And um, we don't have any kids, but it's just, it was especially hard on people with kids. So having having the course here, at least I was able to see her. But, of course, um, she's a bomb tech, like I mentioned. So she actually ended up going to Ottawa for five weeks anyways. So um, that was, uh, yeah, I spent a little bit of time away from each other, kind of doing courses and everything like that. But... We just try to really work on the work-life balance side of things, and but shift work—it's uh, not not ideal sometimes, but yeah, uh, we make the, we make the best
0: of it. Can your days be quite long?
1: Yeah, in forensics, especially, I found uh, like you use a homicide for an example. Once you start that investigation, if you're the crime scenes team on that file, you're on that file from start to finish, so. You know, it's not unusual to end up working six hours extra after your shift is over to try to finish uh, the scene. Or, you know, obviously, if there's a search warrant, we have certain parameters we have to follow. We can't be searching or entering the house after the search warrant has expired. Um, And then again, uh, we attend the autopsies for all suspicious deaths. So we uh, speak with the medical examiners and uh, but they're the ones who set the autopsies, so sometimes we'll have to come in on a day off to either finish a scene, or we'll have to go in for the autopsy. To basically, we have, we capture photographs for them, and obviously we, there's exhibits to seize from the deceased person as well. So that's uh, that's our function there. But the days can be can be long, but it's uh, it's sporadic and you can't really plan for it. But
0: yeah. What are some of the obvious challenges for you in your career? Uh, in
1: crime scenes, I'd say we're, we're a pretty busy unit. Um, there's, and we're a small unit, too. And that's, that's kind of where the, the crux of burnout starts to kind of creep in a little bit is uh, there's a small, small unit and we service all of Edmonton. And as we kind of were touching on before, if there's any forensic evidence in a file, like a recovered stolen vehicle, a break-in enter, a mischief, which is just damage to property, uh, and then to homicides, um, we're we're going, right? There's uh, not a lot of us to be able to service all of Edmonton, and Edmonton's a growing city. There's obviously... Uh, people are coming into the cities uh, especially when the economy is a little lower they're kind of you flock back to where all the resources are so when we kind of see an influx of people uh, there's sometimes a little more more crime associated with uh, obviously more people can be more crime so just having to provide that same level of service with a small unit can be a little bit difficult and so the workload can be pretty high and then obviously for our for our unit we try to provide the best, service and detail detailed reports so we really try to do our best job possible for each file so that kind of just adds a little bit extra a little bit extra stress just for your your workload but uh that's i would say that's the main challenge but if you love what you're doing like i do it, it makes it a lot more bearable so
0: yeah and i'm i'm going to ask you about what you specifically love about your position but specific to some of these cases that you work on what is the experience like when you're speaking to a victim's family
1: yeah you know in crime scenes we don't deal with the families as much okay. uh, at least for like some some crimes we definitely do so for for a break-and-enter for example we are obviously in that person's home so they a lot of the times ask us what we're doing what we can do uh, asks the limitations of the fingerprints, DNA, kind of what we're looking for, trying to find, um, why we're taking certain items or, you know, seizing items from, from their home, especially if touched by the suspect. We always ask their permission first, because obviously it's their property and uh, we tell them why, but, um, you know, obviously typically when you deal with the police, it, and it's rarely for a good reason that you're, uh, calling the police or needing the police. So, uh, trying to maintain that level of compassion and explain to people why you're there. Um, And obviously our main goal is to help people and, you know, obviously bring a level of closure and uh, potentially find people responsible for committing crimes or victimizing people. That's kind of the main goal. So I always tell people uh, what I'm there for and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, But on more major case management style of things like a homicide, we don't deal with the family as much. That's typically the the investigators because we more or less just assist them in their investigations. But I know from our homicide detectives, they they have constant communications with the families and update them and try to provide as much information as they can because obviously that's probably the worst thing imaginable is losing a a loved one like that. So um, I know that they really work hard to try to provide that level of communication that they, they don't feel left out and that we're still constantly working on their file or where the file's at. So.
0: Okay. What characteristics make a great crime scene investigator? Do you think?
1: That's a good question. I'd probably say, uh, being detail oriented is definitely a a good one. Um, being able to notice small changes or details because fingerprints being the, the main example is it's really tough uh, if you can't see a fingerprint or anything like that to be a crime scene investigator because if you ask any one of us probably what they'll say is the old fingerprints are our bread and butter so to speak that's where we kind of make most of our headway through, uh, through investigations. But honestly, it's, 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 it's something everyone can have too. It's the motivation to work hard and to want to learn and to just want to continually just improve on yourself where there's, uh, I kind of touched on it with the blood stain analysts. There's so many different things you can look into when you're in forensics, which is the part I love about it is it's so multifaceted. There's the blood stain side. There's a post-blast, which is um, basically after a, improvised explosive device or an incendiary explosive device like an IED goes off uh, basically reconstructing the device knowing what to look for for the forensic side there's arson training or like fire death stuff there's uh, the CBRNE so like the chemical biological weapons things like that there's just so many little things that you can go and start to you know dabble in a little bit and that's why I love it. it is you learn all the time and If you just want to continue evolving and learning and kind of growing your, growing your skills, this is the place to be for sure.
0: What are some misconceptions about crime scene investigators?
1: I think the main ones typically come from your, your CSI shows or your, uh, your movies that have that crime scene element. So a couple of obvious ones are watching the old CSI TV shows like CSI Miami is one that comes to mind for me immediately is... Uh, being a crime scene investigator, I do a lot of the, the lab work and the forensic stuff. Unfortunately, I'm not as cool as like Horatio with my sunglasses <laughs> and my suit. I'm just in the uniform you see now, and the informa- I just pass on the information to the investigator, and they get to do all the cool stuff, like go try to arrest uh, the suspect potentially or use our tactical team. Um, unfortunately, they try to, I think in, in the crime scene, uh, the CSI show rather, they meld the investigator, tactical, and crime scenes into one position where they're just super cool chasing down the bad guy after they already get the DNA hit. Um, so that's one. And then actually a really common one, too, is I believe it's the, the Dark Knight, the Batman movie. Uh, or, or Batman is in his lab, and he's shooting uh, like a big machine gun type thing at a brick wall. Yeah. And he manages to use a computer software to put the bullet back together, and then there's a magical, perfect fingerprint on there. <laughs> I wish that we could do that. That is super cool, but that's uh, that—that's not something within the realm of possibility for us. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe if they tell us how to do it, maybe we could figure it out. But uh, that one's a little bit, um, a little bit added to movie effects, we'll say. But those, well, those are the typical ones. Thinking that we could get a fingerprint off of anything no matter what it's gone through so yeah and and the fact that they
0: solve these cases usually in 60 minutes
1: that's gonna say too is i would love if i could get dna results uh within the the last half hour of my episode my little tv show but uh (laughs) typically you know the lab uh C M P lab the forensic scientists you talk about um we have a lab here at edmonton but i believe there's only three others for the RCMP Quebec has their own and Ontario has their own but the rest of Canada basically has three labs to use so you can imagine all the crime and all the forensic uh, evidence that is going to the lab it takes a little while for them to sort through all the uh, all the evidence and get the results back to us
0: yeah I, I'm think just as you were speaking to that I was uh, thinking about some of the more darker crime, shows uh, or movies like the movie seven can you talk about any experiences you've you've had while on an actual crime crime scene in an actual crime scene
1: yeah so seven i've seen seven that's a it's a pretty good movie for sure obviously deals with quite a few homicides there um working on a, on a homicide scene it's pretty uh obviously it's very interesting and you're very focused um so sometimes still you kind of get in that moment where when you're working around a person who's deceased it's not normal it's no one it's not a normal thing to see someone who's so still and yeah. obviously deceased um there's a couple times like you know kind of the darker moments where you're working around a deceased person and if the uh the, the rest of the team isn't around you know you kind of check over your shoulder every once in a while because in your brain you're thinking like they have to move at some point right yeah. so it's uh that's kind of one of the, the the darker moments that kind of like you know it's not um it's so outside of the realm of what's normal that you still sometimes catch yourself like thinking that that person might move even though you know that they're deceased so yep. that's definitely definitely one thing that uh, i've experienced before that kind of eerie sensation but it, it starts to dissipate a little bit the more experience you get obviously and yeah. even in patrol you get that the first the first uh sudden death you go to because typically police go to um more or less every death unless the person's stay in a in an assisted living home and the police just go there just to make sure there's absolutely no chance of suspicious suspicious uh foul play anything like that so you get you start to get that a little bit early in your career and then obviously. Just deal with it a little more in the crime scenes. So.
0: Yeah, I and I know I uh, mentioned I didn't have a lot more questions for you, but ha- has there been lighter moments for you that that stand out?
1: Oh yeah, there's uh, the main thing. The reason why I love working with my squad and. Uh, you know, sometimes the worst work gets made bearable by the people you're working with. So I have a great uh, great squad. We have a lot of laughs together, things like that. Uh, we, sp- we try to spend some time together on days off. But there's lighter moments, like sometimes uh, the funny one I can think of, actually, it's, uh, again, we were, we were at a homicide scene, but we were outside um, searching a, a backyard, and we were looking through the... Uh, the garbage is since winter time, and this was there's tons of snow. I can't remember which year it was, but we had just tons and tons of snow, and we were moving the new uh, wheel garbage cans that we have here in Edmonton. We were wheeling those into our containment area to search uh, the next day because it was at night, and my one uh, squad mate, she's wheeling the cart backwards. And she slipped and fell <laughs> on her butt, and obviously, uh, she, that was the funny part. But then the cart fell on top of her, and the lid very slowly opened, and all the snow that was sitting on that thing hit her right in the face. <laughs> so, I mean, even uh, even at some pretty uh, not so great scenes, you can have a couple moments of uh, where you have a, a laugh and uh, something like that, where you know it's kind of like that. Uh, uh, it's simple humor, we'll say, because it yeah. was someone basically getting a... It was in slow motion, too. I almost reached and grabbed the, <laughs> the the lid before it hit her, but the lid kind of came back, and she was covered in snow from head to toe. So yeah. sometimes things like that makes it uh, makes work a little more bearable, and you get to have a good laugh. and yeah. I still laugh about it now when it was probably close to at least... Six, if it was this winter, it was at least six months ago. Yeah, And if it was more than that, it's something we still talk about and laugh about. So...
0: Well, Uh, at least her gun didn't go off when she fell to that. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think the funny part too, is she was the photograph officer. So she was protecting the camera. That's the most important part. Yeah. So protecting the camera. So she couldn't get a hand up in time to get that stop the lid from basically giving her a smack. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty good.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Are there any surprises that you've experienced through, through your career as a crime scene investigator?
1: I think the main thing I was surprised at is how long it took to feel fully competent and, and confident in your abilities, just because there's so, walking into even to a, you think it's a simple break and enter, there's just so many different things to look at and consider and so many different chemical processes you can use to develop fingerprints or, um, you know, different ways and innovative ways of thinking about how to try to develop locate forensic evidence it's uh, it's it's always easy when you have a partner beside you and you bounce ideas off one another and you think, oh, okay, that's that's good. But when you're by yourself, which a lot of our job, if you're kind of going to a break-in or, a, you know, a stolen vehicle, you're typically operating by yourself. So you have that moment of, is there anything else I should be doing or is there anything else I, I'm missing here? And so obviously, once you get confident and competent, your skills, you're, you become more efficient and you just it's like breathing you just know what you're doing but it's like like any job or any skill there's like that moment of oh man am I am I getting everything here and obviously we don't have a second shot at this so we have to do it right the first time so you take a little longer and it's a little slower to start but that was one of my things I was like man I you know I was a police officer for five years and I feel like I'm going back to the very beginning again even though I've been to you know, tons and tons of break and enters it's Pretty much the same forensically but you know you don't got another shot so you have to really be on your game
0: yeah i'm gonna ask you a two-part question and it's the advice question so for first off we're looking at advice to somebody why, why would you or what kind of advice could you give to somebody thinking about becoming a police officer and then after you answer that if you could talk about advice to somebody um, going through the training of being a police officer and then deciding to go into crime scene investigation.
1: For the police officer bit, there's obviously I'm a, I'm a big proponent of you know do your homework and research it a little bit. There's so many different options uh, for uh, info sessions, obviously that the EPS holds to kind of talk about what it's like to be a police officer. There's a run with the recruiters that they do, uh, which obviously the, the recruiting team—they're actually there. You're kind of doing some physical activity, seeing kind of what the recruits are doing, and you know, similar type of activities. A lot of team-building things, knowing that obviously policing is—you know—it's very team, team-oriented, not very individual-based, right? Um, and just you know, it's like anything working. 100 like giving 100% effort all the time and being really motivated and for me it's always asking questions you know I love I love to learn and the more you kind of learn and ask questions uh, you start to have a better idea of kind of what you're getting yourself into and now uh, it's nice you know knock on wood COVID's uh, you know some of the restrictions are easing so we're back to doing ride-alongs and things like that so that's probably the best way that you could figure out, like, hey, is this for me or not, is go on a ride along or two. And uh, depending on how serious you are, there's, there's police studies courses out there as well. Uh, Grant McEwen has some. So you can obviously uh, get a lot of information from them. And there's actually police officers who lecture there. And you can get a lot of great info. Uh, so that's probably just the, the policing bit. And then it, it's kind of similar for the crime scene side. Um, but the more, if you kind of get into policing and you have some experiences with the crime scenes team and you think, oh, this is something I might want to do, um, there's ride-alongs that you can come on with us specifically. There's, um, you know, doing consults with us, like typically if you uh, call our sergeant who's always got the phone on him, uh, basically anyone can call and just ask some questions and figure out if uh, there's forensic evidence available um there's lots of you know trying to get deep in, in the nitty-gritty and in investigations as well like making sure that you explore every avenue and see what uh what forensic evidence could be available or what what options are available for you in your investigations um basically being really detail oriented and trying to really flush out everything in a file will really make you noticed and um will a lot of times we'll actually seek you out if you wanna if you wanna be in, in forensics because if we see a work ethic like that then that's that's most of the most of the battle right there. If you if you have a good work ethic, you're you're most of the way to be, being a crime scene investigator.
0: Well, you have a fascinating career, and I kind of wish I can go back in time. I'm 46 now, <laughs> so I don't think I'm gonna be. Um on the list of your <laughs> recruitment. But Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate the time you gave to us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at JobTalk.com.